mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, is my co-host, TJ Peterson. I guess we can't say, as always, for Alex uh, anymore. He couldn't make it today. Uh, but joining us, uh, joining us today, a very, very special guest. Uh, the athletic reporter for the Columbus Blue Jackets and a co-host of the Too Many Med podcast, Allison Lucan. Allison, thank you so much for coming on today. Well, thank you guys. It was a pleasure to be invited. I'm happy to be here. Well, we need to get that inside scoop on our new general manager. <laughs> uh, so why not go straight to uh, straight to the source? Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about Bill Zito and what what Panthers fans can expect from him. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, so much of this is coming out through Bill's press conference and, and some of the articles that have been written. Um, but all I can do is, is echo, you know, his path is, is such a comprehensive path to GM. He started, obviously, many know as a scout and an agent and demonstrated, you know, that work ethic and that entrepreneurial focus, that commitment um, to building something by starting his own agency. And then, you know, something that I think is, is just so valuable is he said, I know there's more I need to know that I can't learn about um, from being outside an organization and fought to find a place inside a team. And he worked with uh, the Blue Jackets AHL team, um, was there as their GM when they won a Calder, um, which was huge, helped foster mm -hmm. those players coming to the NHL and, and just was a really big part of this front office. And so I think that this is an individual who comes with a very strong, all-encompassing view of what it takes to lead a successful organization. And I'm, I'm honestly excited to see kind of what personal touches he now puts on his own leadership style and on an organization now that he is finally able to, to sit in the driver's seat. It, uh, it does make me very happy that you are excited to see what he does in the driver's seat uh, because you're so well known for your very, very deep knowledge of, uh, of hockey analytics and, uh, we are definitely proponents of uh, of the numbers here at Panther Parade. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Uh, so we definitely like hearing you uh, hearing you on the side of Bill Zito as a GM. Uh, and on that note, uh, what what can you tell us about uh, about the way he views analytics and the numerical side of hockey uh, that might not seem apparent uh, right off the bat? Yeah, you know, obviously um, any front office is not going to fully open the vest and say, here's what we're looking at today. Um, but we know that the Blue Jackets have been using analytics um, for quite some time. Uh, the main leader of that in the front office was uh, the other assistant GM, Josh Flynn. Um, but Bill Zito has always been an individual, I believe he even said this at, at his press conference there in Florida, that, you know, he wants more information. He is a proponent of finding the best information available 
so that he can make the right decision for his team, for his players, for his organization. Um, and Bill was a big part of, we put on an analytics conference this past February, um, mm -hmm. hosted by the Blue Jackets. Bill was a big part of that, not just in supporting it, but he was one of our panelists, um, which particularly that time of year, to give up at least an hour, if not more of your time, and to sit and take in the speakers and the presenters and be part of that, I think that speaks to the fact that he knows it's something to listen to. Um, he knows he wants to learn. And, and I personally do think analytics are not the end all be all. So I like that he brings the compliment of looking at what our eyes tell us, what we know from personal experience on the ice as well. So I think he's positioned to bring a really nice blend of numbers and the eye test and experience, which is honestly what I think is the right way to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the happy medium that you want to reach. You want to be able to establish why the numbers are where they are, because sometimes there are, you know, things that smell, to <laughs> use layman's terms. And uh, you can you can discover that some players aren't actually amazing, like uh, analytics would make you believe. But generally, I don't think too many people make that mistake. And when there's a depth player that suddenly has like a 65% Corsi or something like that, usually people will step that out. Um, so I actually was curious. I was going to ask you if you didn't mention it right there about his involvement with the analytics conferences, because I know you, you're obviously very involved with it. And, you know, Columbus, that's like a hub when it comes to the hockey analytics community meeting at that that conference. Uh, what else can you tell me about what he did there? Yeah, um, in Columbus, you know, he was um, the front office here, I will say, uh, was very, from our experience, very collaborative. Um, you never felt like it was one guy did this and everyone else was hands off. And I think, you know, like we were talking about Bill's preparation and education, if you will, that again speaks really well to what he can bring. Bill was the point in Columbus for contract negotiation. That is going to slide over. It seems like it's going to slide over more to Josh Flynn, but that was really where he kind of sat in his sweet spot. And as I mentioned, you know, he really did look over the Cleveland organization up until last year when obviously some family needs necessitated that he spend more time closer to home and have a little more time for his family so that he could care for their situation. Um, but again, that speaks to, in my opinion, his ability to identify talent, to nurture talent. And Bill was also always someone who could help bolster the organization through free agency, even if those weren't big splashy signings. Um, and Columbus is an organization that does have to grow from within and from putting a lot of pieces together. And I think his ability to identify the pieces that fit with what Columbus wants to be um, was a really nice fit, a really nice advantage for the organization here. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at the way that the Panthers roster is built, you have a few outstanding players, no doubt about it. Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberto, Aaron Ekblad. And then beyond them, the Panthers have under Dale Talent just uh, – and, you know, we're going to go ahead and say we aren't going to be respectful to what he did. We are not fans <laughs> of it. We have never been fans <laughs> of it. So we're not going to pull punches. Basically, whenever he had an opportunity to supplement this group of players, he failed miserably. He overpaid players in free agency. He failed to draft anybody that's made an impact, The you know, I can't think of anybody that Dale Talon drafted since 2016 that has had a one war season for the Panthers. Like it's, it's pretty bleak in, in terms of that. So I can understand why the Panthers would look at what their issues have been over the past few years with Dale Talon. 
and say to themselves, this is what we need, what Bill Zito is going to specialize in. He's going to be shrewd in negotiating contracts so we don't, for example, pay $70 million to a goalie that's in the bottom 10 in the league in terms of goals saved above expected in uh, the 2019-20 season. We're not going to give a defenseman $5.5 million average annual value at age 34 to turn in a season that's you know maybe one-tenth above win above replacement sorry (laughs) got my tongue twisted there and uh you know like i said about the draft the only player that the panthers have drafted since 2016 that played for them this year was riley stillman who was again like a 1.1.2 war player who you know was a fourth round pick so like the fact that you're getting a warm body out of a fourth round pick that's pretty decent but Nothing doing in the first round, nothing doing in the second round, nothing doing in the third round. And that, that's something that really has to change while these old, these players, Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberto, Aaron Eklad, that I previously mentioned, they're not young anymore and they're not going to be cost controlled forever. You know, the, the opportunity, frankly, that the Panthers had in Dale Talon's last few years was blown significantly. And there's limited time left to capitalize on those years if that's what they intend to do. So I think that they've picked a guy that has demonstrated that he can do that. It would seem so. Yes. You know, and I will say this, it's a, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky is someone that Bill Zito knows well. Um, and I, I think that the numbers deceive on, in terms of what Bob still can be um, even in Florida. I think this was mm-hmm. a, a very different defense that he was playing behind and, even if you look at something as simple as the number of lateral passes that the Panthers defense allowed. And, and this is tricky, right? Because the Panthers have those offensive weapons and they need to allow them to run free and, and play. Um, but there, there's going to be some adjustment there and there might need to be some defensive tightening um, before we just put this all on Bob. That's at least my two cents right. there. <laughs> we, we don't disagree with that. Um, and we obviously paying, paying, he's, he's owed 60 million more dollars. <laughs> Uh, so we definitely yeah, but when, when you sign that kind of contract the intention isn't oh when we fix the defense he'll be okay it's this guy <laughs> is going to save all of our issues away he's going to block all of our issues away <laughs> now, of course uh this isn't the the sergey Bobrovsky rant hour uh yeah but it like, is the I, I, I hope just... hour <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm personally not going to be one of those people that says, well, you know, if this thing is different and that thing is different, maybe the Bobrovsky $10 million will look fine. I mean, it, it, to me, it's just an issue, but we don't need to talk about that all this time. We're talking about right. Bill Zito. So uh, as, as a former player agent, uh, Bill Zito also has, uh, he's got that experience uh, from the other side of the table. And uh, as you said, helped uh, specialized in, uh, in the contract negotiations for Columbus. So from your experience uh, covering, covering this team, he, he obviously, like you said, doesn't give out these huge money contracts, uh, but what is his negotiating style like? Is it possible that he might, uh, or have you, did you ever notice him uh, maybe alienating players uh, by being a little too, uh, too stringent in his uh, tactics? Yeah, you know, I think that it would be unfair for me to to hang anything um, 100% good or 100% bad on him. Um, these are organizational decisions. We know that for sure. Um, we also know that, and I don't think this is any secret, we know that the Blue Jackets are not usually a cap team. This is not an organization mm-hmm. that can spend every single dollar that they have. They're still building their support. They're still building their history of success. Um, and so I think that 
what the organization asked their negotiators to do. And in this case, primarily Bill Zito probably reflect that. We're obviously not in the room, <laughs> um, but you know, we, we know that um, this is an organization that has to watch the dollars they spend. And I also think it's interesting because we're in a unique time, right? Where, you mm -hmm. know, a few years ago, young players were just expected to sign that next contract and young players are finding their voice. They're finding their ownership of saying, I deserve more, or I'm going to hedge my bets now because I want the big money contract a lot sooner than I used to think about it. So I think that the landscape is changing. Um, but all of that to say, and again, having never been in a contract negotiation, I think what matters out of any contract negotiation is what happens in the room and on the ice after that. And particularly these past two to three years, um, even if you go back to last season when Sergei Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin were hedging their bets and everyone seemingly believed um, that they were not going to be there after that last season, mm -hmm. the team stayed connected. The team, the team stayed close. The team stayed bought in. The relationships remained strong. And so even if contract negotiations are one way or the other, I think that speaks to the culture that's built. And that starts with the front office, which of course includes Bill Zito. So again, it's hard for me to say, and it's hard to hang it all on him. But I think if we look at the end results of whatever happens, um, I take that over. There's a lot more worst case scenarios <laughs> before we <laughs> before we start to get mad at that. So culture is a good uh, a good place to go next. Uh, Bill Zito obviously, as a, as a front office staff member, has to have part of uh, part of that hand in developing that culture. Uh, I think John Tortorella, of course, uh, is a fantastic uh, proponent of, of having a strong culture. And that kind of culture, that identity, uh, is something that the Panthers have kind of been lacking for a while. This team doesn't really know what it is. Even one season under Joel Quenville didn't really help mesh everything together. Of course, one season isn't necessarily enough time to, to force something like that. Uh, but uh, Bill Zito and Joel Quenville working together uh, – seems like a pretty good way to, to build a, uh, a winning culture based on what Bill was able to do uh, for Cleveland and what he, uh, what he helped do in Columbus as well. Uh, how, what, 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 uh, what can you say uh, to that in terms of Bill Zito's hand and actually building that culture alongside uh, Yarmo Kekalainen and John Tortorella? Yeah. And I think your, your last comment really hit it on the head is that he was a piece of that puzzle and that, that's not to take away anything from Bill Zito, but I think, again, when you talk about what he's learned and what he's capable of from his time in Columbus, um, Bill Zito was around some of the best to, to hone those mm -hmm. skills. I think that what he brings, not just from Columbus, but that is innate within himself, is that he's going to be very honest um, in what needs to happen, what he's thinking, what he's feeling, and I think that's key. Um, I think that's been a huge part of not just Bill Zito's dealings, but Yarmo Kekalainen's dealings, and as you mentioned, John Tortorella's dealings as well. I think that is how you get to the root of issues and how you're then able to hopefully solve those issues. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Q, and I think that it, it's funny, and, and I do believe that Zito has joked about this a little bit since, but <laughs> what better training ground to work with a, an established um, very talented and rightly so coach like Joel Quenville than to first work with John Tortorella. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think that, that having, having that kind of a relationship with that kind of an individual, um, again, honesty, again, competitiveness, I think that Bill Zito was able to sharpen his skills 
to, he's going to have a toolbox full of things that he knows he can do and what he needs to do and what should be done when it comes to establishing a culture. Because Columbus used to be very similar to what you're describing. And, and I'm not obviously around Florida enough to know, but Columbus used to kind of flounder and they didn't know what they were. They didn't know how they were mm -hmm. supposed to play. Um, and they've really forged an identity here under this front office's leadership. And obviously Bill Zito is a big part of that. I think that what really helps Columbus with their culture, at, at least one aspect of it that really helps is that so much of their talent is homegrown. I mean, talk about the guys that stepped in this year when they had injuries and you know, beyond that guys like, uh, Oh man, I'm forgetting his name, uh, Dubois. And mm -hmm. uh, man, I, I was just thinking about their, these guys' names, Alex Texier and uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand. And I always get that one wrong. So I'm proud of myself for not getting that one wrong <laughs> that time. And I mean, there, there's just a litany of guys, including Parkland, Florida's own Andrew Peake, yes, you know, yes. and, I'm, and I'm sitting in Parkland as we speak. So he's a very meaningful player to me. Um, what role did Bill Zito have in the Jackets strategy of drafting the right talent and then developing them to be players in the Blue Jackets system? Because, you know, when the hiring was announced, I was kind of skeptical. It's like, oh, a former player agent is going to be the answer to the Panthers draft and development issues. But I'm curious to know what he uh, did in terms of the drafting and development for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, and you know, I it, it, the drafting again, we don't get that window into the the war room and, and the draft worksheet and, and the rankings and things like that. But what we do know is that uh, you know one of Yarmo Kekalainen's calling cards was drafting and and the ability to identify talent. So mm -hmm. again, if nothing else, I think Bill Zito has refined his abilities to do the same. Obviously, coming with his own skill set. And one of the things, and, and this isn't unique to Columbus, but I think it's necessary, but that we have seen in Columbus exemplified by, again, Yarmo, and then also obviously Bill, is that you put together a scouting team that you trust. That's why you pay them to scout all year long. You come together as a front office, you put together your draft board, you put together your pro evaluations, and then you execute based on the work that your scouts provided you and what you all agreed to. You don't override your scouts you don't usurp what they've done you come together as a team and you execute against that plan um, and I think that just speaks volumes not just about how the team itself is operating but then the results that come of it um, so I think on the drafting side that's what we have seen from Bill again as part of this bigger front office team and then development obviously you know leading that AHL squad to a championship was huge I think it's just one more lesson for Bill to, to reinforce what he understands in terms of what it takes to build a true winner. And then I think what's really cool about that is he got to see so many of those players, as you mentioned, come from that AHL championship team and become NHL players. And so again, I think this is the skill he brings from his player agent days is that ability to maintain a relationship with those players, to be around them, to celebrate in their successes, to also guide them as much as an assistant GM or a member of the front office should. Um, and I think that, you know, that's a really important piece because the difference is I'm around, I'm present. We know we can talk to one another. We know we can be honest. We know we can have these kinds of conversations versus a GM that maybe isn't present. And every time your GM comes around, everyone's like, what's he doing here? What's going on? What, you know, what's the bad news kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I, I think both with his AHL experience and then maintaining those relationships, fostering the continued development of those players as part of the front office um, and seeing the success and, and, and being able to 
as much as one can feel the reward of, of what the players accomplished, I think that's really, again, only made him more suited to take on this full GM role. And I think we're, we're very excited to, uh, to see him get to work. Uh, if you, uh, obviously, uh, he, uh, he'll be close by to, uh, to an old family friend. Uh, he'll be close by with a Kekalion and working in Florida. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you had to point out maybe one or two of the most important things that Bill Zito has learned uh, from Yarmo Kekalion and working as his uh, associate general manager, uh, what would those be? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough question. And, and I, I must say, I want to be careful because I've not <laughs> asked him. So um, uh, his answer may be completely different, but I think it's a great question. Um, but if, if I had my read on it, I, I think it would be um, first what we talked about in terms of working with scouts um, only because, again, this is my read on it. I've not had these conversations with either Yarmo or Bill, but this was an area we know that Bill wanted to build up in his skill set. And so being around someone so talented in that perspective, Yarmo coming from being a GM in Finland when he came over to North America, being able to see that scouting, that talent evaluation from an organizational side, and then seeing how to manage a scouting staff, um, I think, again, that only reinforces um, Bill's abilities. And I do think like we talked about, you know, Bill had led his company obviously to a very successful culture, but I think coming to Columbus and seeing the ability to write the ship, if you will, and set the culture for the better, both working with Yarmo and working with Torts, I think, you know, the little that you've shared with me about the Florida experience right now, I think that's a unique skill set. Um, that can really be applied here and, and not one that every front office manager, I mean, if you're part of the Tampa Bay front office, your type of adversity looks different right now. Surely you have it, but it's different than what an organization like Columbus has gone through and maybe Florida is going through. So maybe the adversity um, that Bill has been able to watch Yarmo and, and John Davidson before him guide Columbus through, I think is, is a huge learning opportunity for Bill. So I want to kind of pivot to your personal experiences or at least like the visibility that you've had of Bill Zito doing his job or maybe just Bill Zito being Bill Zito as a person. <laughs> um, so consider this an open-ended question. You can respond to whatever prompts I'm, I'm bringing up now. Uh, did you like get to see him a lot in the press box or at practices or you know, just around Blue Jackets events? And did you notice any particular tendencies that he had when it came to analyzing a practice, analyzing a game or something that was always on his mind? He was always talking about just uh, your experience of interacting or, you know, witnessing Bill Zito in his, you know, hockey environment. <laughs> well, no front office executive is any good if they're letting you know what they're actually thinking, if you're a member of the press. <laughs> so um, I probably cannot answer that as fully as you'd like me to, but, but I will say, um, just in echoing um, some of the comments I made before, what, what I did always notice is that the front office, including Bill Zito, um, always present, always paying attention, um, traveling with the team at practices, uh, being in the room to an appropriate degree, in my opinion, you know, they weren't usurping the coaches or taking over things, but just kind of being around, being, being aware. Um, he's there and he's plugged in and he's not just looking at a report or watching a practice and making all of his evaluations. Uh, what he's thinking, that I certainly can't tell you, <laughs> but um, I know that he's someone who's committed, who's hardworking, 
And I also know that, you know, what, what's really valuable about him, I can think back, he was actually in Florida at the time a few years ago, and, and I needed to speak with Bill about something on a game day. And he was generous enough to make time for me in that. And so I think that as busy as he is and as focused as he is on probably a million different things, he is always, in my case, in my experience at least, willing to make time um, for others. And again, um, just a huge lesson in kind of opening up who he is outside of work when we saw how he rose to the challenge, um, both personally within his family and then publicly um, of his wife's health crisis last year. Um, just seeing that this is someone who pays attention to more than just hockey. And to me, um, that's just as important as the X's and O's and the game planning and the scouting and the drafting. So those, those are some of the things I've been privileged um, to see Bill Zito do in action. Yeah, I mean, we've seen some of the uh, charity work. I don't think I need to talk about that. Everybody already knows about it. But uh, I was digging through his Twitter likes, and I did find one uh, praising the Taylor Swift album that came out this year. So I found that pretty interesting. <laughs> Good got man. A, got a Taylor Ooh. Swift fan in the organization. That's points in his favor. Uh, Good man. In his favor to me, yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, so, Allison, uh, unless, TJ, you've got anything else, I think uh, I think that uh, I think that just about runs up on our time. So, uh, Allison, if you just want to plug uh, plug where people can find your work. Sure, absolutely. Thank you again for having me on. Um, I write at a couple different places. Uh, you mentioned The Athletic. Uh, I have the Too Many Men podcast. All of it kind of funnels through my Twitter, at Allison L. Um, check me out there. That's where you can see where I'm talking, where I'm writing. Um, and I'm always um, open and ready to talk to anyone who has more questions about what I'm talking about, about analytics. Um, I'm here to help people who want to learn and people who don't want to learn. I think that's awesome too. Um, but anything I can do to help um, those who want to become part of the analytics community to any degree, um, I'm here and please feel free to reach out. Allison, thank you so much for giving us some of your time tonight. It was lovely talking to you. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. You too. Same to you. Hey, what's up guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203.